Trevor, did you get your coffee? Are you ready to start? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's good, but a little less dramatic way to introduce episode 124 of <laughs> Off the Crossfire, a Ray Also Lake podcast. It's not fair. I'm not even, I'm still watching highlights and stuff. I don't. That's all right. I'm not looking it's at what fine. you're doing. It, it's not about fairness, Trevor. That's, that's true. Some would or, say that it should be. Yeah, I mean, there is that phrase say, that people love, like fairness is what mother and father think is best for each individual child, and I thought that was best for you. Are I've you looking never up, heard like, that phrase before. <laughs> Matt's going to be a dad phrase? soon. He's going to be a dad soon. He's just reading books full of little... I was going to say, that sounds like a parenting thing. That's just something I've heard before. I don't I don't know if I... I don't know, my, my philosophy student part of me does not love that line very much because <laughs> I think it kind of ignores what like what justice and fairness are and where they differ and where they're the same and yeah. I guess that's neither here nor there you should write your own parenting book Matt probably in advance of being a parent not even <laughs> that would even be the wait best time <laughs> yeah that would be the best time to write a book about yeah parenting is right before you become a parent I think 10 so things too. I learned about parenting before becoming a parent yeah, that's right. Mm, I like it. I like, don't. Nice. I'll just. I'll just. All of the sections will just be chapter like titles of other books. Yeah. <laughs> one will be "I'm a day late and a dollar short." Uh, <laughs> one will be "Don't sweat the small stuff." Mm. What's Michael Scott's book again? Somehow I manage. Somehow I manage. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, I guess I don't want to skip too far ahead into social hour, but there's the uh, Peacock has the uh, the office super fan episodes, which contain like so much deleted scenery that so many deleted scenes. It's like kind of astounding. Like each episode is like 30 to five to 40 minutes long. And it has (laughs) has, like a ton of extra extended scenes, like scenes that didn't get cut, Mm -hmm. but like certain parts of them did and scenes that just like weren't in it altogether. Um, it's really interesting actually. And I, I like those, I like watching those, but, um, uh, I guess we can, I guess, yeah. Oh, there's the I cat. Can. Yes. What do you, are you going to pet the cat? He wants me to pet him. That's yeah. why he does this. There we go. And I, yeah. I, I hate it that he does this. That that was really fun. I like. You'll that. have to read my parenting book. Great <laughs> cat. For those good. not watching the video, he just walks right across the front of my laptop, blocking the webcam view. That's how like I'm not seeing. But he just walks. Here he goes again. He just walks around the computer once like or twice as soon belt. as I get on it. You too can watch the video of this if you subscribe to our hundred fifty dollar a month Patreon tier. Yeah, so far it's just us and Zach McMath's dad. So, <laughs> hi Gary. Was it Gary? Hello, I Gary. Think it was Gary. I think it's Gary. Yeah. Was it Gary? Oh man. I thought start, it was with, a, start with I, a G. I, I remember it was Gary just G. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I think it's G. Um, what do we, Matt, Matt? What are you drinking down there in in Arizona? Uh, water right now. Nice. Smart. Me too. This is a water. <laughs> Good move. Wait, I, you, I don't have a fridge here smart yet. Smart water. So. Oh, yeah. I I usually don't drink smart water. I like. I'm more of an Essentia guy, but they didn't have Essentia at the gas station I went to yesterday. Mm. And this is smart water is alkaline water. It's good. 
is Scott alkaline Antioxidant. water like a real thing i mean i know it's real they sell it and it's like advertised but like I don't are there know. supposed health benefits to alkaline water i kind of prefer the acidic water but I, basic yeah. water oh, basic water that <laughs> basic would be, water yeah. that's right yeah <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i like i mean i don't know but i generally I, tend I, to taste- eat like really acidy foods and i like this you know so i like yeah. to balance it a little bit if i can Mm. it definitely has a higher ph so yeah i don't know it really just depends on how much you believe in man balancing your (laughs) acid inside your stomach that's why uh, a water softener is nice because it changes the ph level uh Mm -hmm. which i don't know if you know this ph stands for pretty hard and that's why (laughs) having a softener (laughs) is so important yep yeah Uh (laughs) uh-huh Uh, Trevor, you drinking coffee? Speaking of acid. I've got coffee and I've also got, we'll get to this in a second, but I've also got a water bottle. We can get, oh, Oh, nice. Uh, Let's, let's start. Okay. Let's go to social hour. Trevor, why don't you give us an update about what's been going on? Cause you gave us a little teaser about what you were going to be up to last week. Yes. You went, you went through with it. Went and did it. Um, Charlie and I went to Vegas over the weekend. Um, Charlie's birthday was Sunday. And when Charlie was like eight ish, like four or five years ago, um, they went into a little bit of a YouTube phase and in part of the YouTube phase, they, they're not out of the YouTube phase by the way, but as part of their YouTube phase, they started watching like roller coaster videos, um, and roller coasters and like thrill rides are kind of a thing that I really enjoy. So we found a whole bunch of YouTube pages where people just like, put a GoPro on the front of a roller coaster and just like ride the roller coaster and then sure. post that stuff. Or people will like wear chest harnesses and ride the roller coaster. So you get like ride the roller coaster experience via YouTube, which is really, really cool and really fun if you're into that kind of thing. Um, but anyway, Charlie found, um, or I can't remember if they found it or if I was telling them, but on top of stratosphere tower in Las Vegas, they have a couple thrill rides. Um, that are kind of unique and one of a kind because it's a thousand feet off the ground and all the rides on top, like send you over the edge. So the rides are like a thousand feet off the ground. It's really, really cool and awesome and a very unique, very unique. It's a unique experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and once Charlie saw those, they watched all the like footage for all the rides and just loved it and adored it when they were eight, but you got to be like 48 inches tall or something to ride the ride. So I told them at the time, I was like, when you get tall enough, we'll go and ride those rides. That sounds like something fun to do. And they were all about it. And then they totally forgot about it until we got down there and I reminded them and they were like, Oh, well, I'm really scared of heights. So I don't think I'll be riding the rides. (laughs) Um, but that was like the inspiration for the trip. Once we got down there, um, Charlie's also like getting really into like theater in school and like drama that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Um, and they just had their like school performance a while ago and they loved it. And they, so I just wanted to show them like a good show. So we also got tickets to go see uh Cirque du Soleil. Nice. Um, you were debating between that and blue man group maybe? and blue. Man I can't group. remember. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, I've always wanted to see Cirque du Soleil and I've never seen a show and blue man group. Like I've seen bits and pieces and I kind of get it. So you've seen arrested development, you know what the whole deal is. Yeah. 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 Yeah, We've we've seen it. Um, so anyway, we settled on Cirque du Soleil. Um, and they've got like five different Cirque du Soleil shows at different places in Las Vegas. 
Uh, we went to Mystere. Mystery? Yeah, it's very French. Mister. Yeah, I think I think that's how they said it. Um, <laughs> we went to that one, and it was incredible. I don't know if I ex- nice. exactly what I expected, but if you've never seen Cirque du Soleil, it's basically a circus, like a modern day circus, where there's a whole lot of like circus type things. There's no animals, but it's all just dancers and acrobats, and um, they did. A couple of things that you've probably seen before. If you've ever seen like Ocean's Eleven, the part where they find the amazing yen, uh, the grease man, the little Chinese grease man, that like when they go to the show and he's on the like pole and then he like backflips and like grabs the other pole or whatever. That yeah. like pole climbing, they did that. Um, they also did uh, a bunch of uh, like trapeze, like actual trapeze stuff. And then they did um, like rope swing acrobatic stuff like ropes literally come down and they put it around their wrist and then the ropes pull them up and like swing them all over the place and they're doing not like flips but like contortions and like pulling themselves up and going upside down and doing all that while flying out all over the crowd and everything it's oh yeah it's it's incredible and if you have a chance definitely go see it it's really really cool nice um but so we did that and as we were getting into town we drove past area 15 which is just like a giant complex that does a bunch of different things. They've got like little restaurants and little, um, I'm going to say adult activities, but not like adult, adult, just like older people activities. Like they had like a zip line (laughs) kind of thing. You could ride around the whole inside of the building. Um, They had what they call it. Bird birding, bird fly, bird, something. It's a machine you lay down on your stomach on. And it's like a VR virtual reality thing that like, I imagine we didn't do it, Man. but I imagine. Okay, so I've seen I've like seen that building in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, it's right by the freeway. You drive past. And I've it. never like thought about what it is, but now I'm looking at their website, and you're about to tell us where you got that water bottle. Yeah, so inside there, on the outside, they had Meow Wolf, a sign for Meow Wolf on the outside, and I've never heard of Meow Wolf. I don't have any clue what it is. Um, Charlie has heard of Meow Wolf and was like, oh, can we do that? That sounds great. And fortunately, we had like half a day of just like time to kill. Um, So I looked it up online and just really quick, it was like art installation of Mega Mart. And I was like, okay, art installation. We can do that. That's cool. And you go in and it's much bigger and cooler than just like an art installation. Um, It's this whole like world where you like enter into a mega mart, which is basically just like a um, absurdist grocery store kind of Hmm. like they've got all kinds of products that like you would expect to be in a grocery store, but they've all got like goofy names or funny signs on them or or whatever. Um, uh, And some of them is like actual things that you can buy. They're like messed up vegetables, but they're like in plushy form. So you can buy them if you want. Um, but anyway, it's, it's a grocery store that's kind of absurd and kind of has a bunch of goofy things going on. And it's got like commercials playing on TVs around it, like for the grocery store. And then every now and then this, um, it like gets hacked. So the lights dim and flash and then the video changes to like just this face with like a robotic voice. That's like, you're all being fed lies and you're, um, buying into the conspiracy and you should look for the source and, and find the source. Um, 
And then it goes back to like the commercial and everything goes back to normal. Hmm. But then inside the store, there's like portals and the portals are just like hallways from like, there's the um, like drink cooler in the back, a door opens and it's a hallway that you can follow. And then it brings you inside this like old timey, like sixties gas station type place, but it's got like pictures and stuff up on the wall. And some of them are like aliens, like the X-Files, um, flying saucer thing is in there mm. plus a bunch of other like hand-drawn pictures of aliens and then a whole bunch of like pages with like notes written f- to charlie from cecilia and it's like notes talking about how you're not going to influence my kid this way i'm taking my kid and i'm leaving and then there's like a telephone and the telephone has like a couple phone numbers next to it and you pick up the telephone you dial the phone numbers and you get like voicemail messages from people that are huh. all in this city that um is behind this omega mart and then the other half of the portal leads you to a factory to like um that makes all the products in omega mart and it's all very whoa i'm looking sounds crazy (laughs) this is all a gigantic warehouse it's yes this gigantic warehouse thing and it's got all kinds of like lights and like interactive like soundboard type stuff that you can do and and play with they call it kaleidoscopic fun for all ages at least yeah the the, uh meow wolf's omega mart i was led to believe this was adult focused no some they have they have certain 21 plus experiences at area 15 this is not one of them. This is very family friendly. Um, but the whole, but as you like go through these places, so you go into the factory and you can go into like the CEO's office and you can go into like the medical part and you can go to, you find like the source door and it's like this locked door and it's got stuff that you can do and like settings you can change. And it's got um, basically an image of what's inside and you can't really tell what it is, but it changes based on the settings and it gives you kind of a clearer picture or a more okay. distorted picture but you never get like a good image of, of what it actually is. Um, and there's all kinds of clues all over the place about like what source is or, or what um, they're putting into these products that are causing problems. And then you find out that there's a missing child or a missing like teenager that goes missing that was looking into the source and trying to figure it out. But she suddenly got disappeared. Um, and the CEO of the factory is like, was like, Oh, I don't, I didn't get the whole story. I didn't quite figure it all out. And there's a lot, like we spent like three hours and got like through about half of it, but there, but she's like related to somebody who's related to the kid missing. And then spoiler alert. Okay. Well, you don't like, no, like nothing is like made clear. It's not like you get to the end and you figured out the story. It's all just like, it gives you little clues and you can kind of draw your own conclusion. Um, but yeah, so you're in like, the gas station you can go into the town there's a couple homes and inside these little homes there's a whole bunch of clues and you can learn about the employees of the store and the employees of the factory and how like there's it's almost like an alternate dimension kind of element to it a little bit like stranger things upside down a little bit i get that It's, it's not that but it's that kind of vibe that kind of feel um but yeah, it's just a giant warehouse with all kinds of stuff that you can explore, all kinds of lights and like different rooms that are set up to be look like or act like different things and with interactive stuff that you can play with. It's very, very cool. And I would definitely recommend it if anybody has a chance. 
sounds um, rad. Okay, well, how are the how are the thousand foot high ro- roller coaster things? Oh, so we got up to the top of the tower, and Charlie, we first went up um, in the morning just to get used to the how heights. High it is. Can you, can yeah, you just I've, take the elevator up there without paying anything? Can you just no, go? No, no, no. Oh. You, you do have to pay a bit to get up there. Um, they've got like the Skypod is what just the observation deck is called mm-hmm. and if you're a guest at the hotel it's it's pretty cheap it's not wildly expensive and if you're not you guys a guest, stay there it's a little pricey yeah we stayed there oh nice okay. so it worked out um but yeah so you you do have to pay and then you go up and they like check to make sure you're not doing anything nefarious and then you go <laughs> like you go through a metal detector once you're out wait they they check <laughs> once you're up there or like no, before they, you go they up like put you through security before you go up oh okay um but then they put you in the elevator and the elevator goes i don't remember how fast i said it was but it gets you from the bottom level to floor 108 they call it uh in like 30 45 seconds it's very oh, fast nice um <laughs> excuse me What's that? Just terrifying. No, it's 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 it feels like an elevator, <laughs> except about halfway through your ears start popping. Oh, um, hey. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, and like, can you? Is the outside of the elevator like glass? Like, can you like see out? No, no, no. Or no, is no. It, it's all inside the thing. It's all inside. Then you get out, and there's like a enclosed indoor like observation deck mm. where you can like look out, and then you can go up one more floor to an outdoor deck where you can actually like go outside um and that's where the rides are yeah that's where all the rides are there's only three of them and one of them was shut down for maintenance which was kind of a bummer Um, which is the one that was shut down so it's the one that's called insanity so there's three of them x cream is the one you sit in a car and it like you're sitting back and then it leans forward and just like drops you off of the edge of the building and then you suddenly like stop right at the very edge of it and you're literally just oh, like as boy. if you're just falling in a cart off the edge of the building yeah. okay and it does that like four times it lasts like 45 seconds or a minute and it's very scary and then the one that shut down was called insanity it's one that you like sit in a chair and it's got the thing above you and you spin around there's like eight of you you spin yeah. around and then it swings out over the edge and spins around and yeah. then your seats like tilt so you're looking down being held in the seat while spinning around going outside over the edge and then over the building and then over the edge and so yeah terrifying Uh, but that one was shut down so we didn't do that one and then the last one is basically if you've been to lagoon you know the rocket it's blast off but it's at the very top at the okay i see so you go up a couple more like another flight of stairs or something and then you get on blast off and it's literally just the top of the building and you just go up about 100 feet. So did you do the two the that were open? Yeah, I did the two that were nice. open. Did Charlie, Charlie do either of them? Charlie did neither of them. Um, <laughs> Dang it. Charlie has ridden the rocket at Lagoon and did not enjoy it. Mm. And once we saw that that's exactly what it was, they were like, I'm not doing that. I don't like that one. I didn't even <laughs> like that one in Lagoon. Um, but and then now we, you're just, yeah. Yeah, then we saw the other one and Charlie was struggling. Charlie has a fear of heights and I also struggle with heights, but um, (laughs) I've kind of got way better at it as I've become an adult, but I still like don't enjoy it very much. Um, But yeah, Charlie had a little bit of a mental breakdown for a minute there. Mm -hmm. And then once Charlie was like, no, I'm not riding the ride. Then I was like, okay, great. You don't have to. Like, I'm not going to make you. Nobody's going to force you. And then they started to feel a lot better. <laughs> we're yeah. we're just gonna, fine. I'm going to write they, that down for my book. Yeah. 
force your child to, to do things that are like they're on the verge of a mental break. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Exactly. Did you have fun on those on the T rides? I had a blast. Like they're definitely very scary, and I'm not like comfortable on those rides at all. But you're not rushing to do it again anytime soon. But you're I'm glad very you happy that I did it. I will probably not ever do it again. But it was very fun. Okay, nice. if you're a that thrill sounds- ride type person, like definitely try it. They're a lot of fun. And I've I seen some pretty get, like, insane ones. There's like some yeah. really crazy. Uh, I think it's in Colorado somewhere. There's like a really insane roller coaster that's like really high in the mountains. And it's, I don't know, man. I love roller coasters, but like for some reason. And like, look, if 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 there's like a roller coaster accident at Lagoon that I'm on, like I'm probably dying regardless of how high it is off the ground. But for some reason, it just being even like accelerated into the mountains or on top of a skyscraper is kind of, kind of horrifying, but Hey, yeah. I, I, I could see myself doing the, uh, this, the, uh, stratus, the stratosphere, the stratosphere ones. Those look, those sound pretty cool. They're pretty cool. They're pretty fun. So that's pretty much what we did. We went down, um, Friday, stayed there, did all that stuff on Saturday. Um, watched the first half of the RSL game, just before we went on the rides and then went on the rides, then did the Cirque du Soleil. And then, oh, we found a French place. Charlie loves crepes. Charlie's a big crepe person. Um, anytime we go to IHOP, they get crepes. Um, we were in Las Vegas and I was telling him like anything you want, like any version of any restaurant, there's one here and it's probably a pretty good one. And so for breakfast on Saturday, Charlie wanted to go find a crepe place. So we found a place called The Real Crepe. And the outside of it, well, it's just like in a strip mall. And it has like a logo that looks like it's a black and white, like American flag kind of design in the shape of like a crepe. And once we got there, I was like, okay, this doesn't look too promising, but we got in and it's legitimately just like run by French people. Everybody was speaking French. Um, They have very heavy, thick French accents. They're clearly like from the home country. And we got in there and Charlie got a lemon crepe, which had like a lemon curd and like lemon flavored whipped cream. And it was delicious. And I got a croque madame, which is probably my favorite breakfast thing of all time. Nice. Very, very good. Highly recommend if you want a good French breakfast experience, go to the real crepe in Las Vegas. Mm. That's my recommendation. Cool. I love that. Yeah, and then uh, and then we just drove home Sunday. Didn't do didn't do much, but that was the whole weekend, and that kind of wiped me out a little bit. But it was good. I had a really really good time. Good break. Nice man. That's good. Matt, what about you? I I know you're what you're doing right now, but what have you been up to? Yeah, I've been painting and prepping a house for painting for the last few days. Uh, <laughs> but more importantly, uh, on Sunday. Uh, I stopped in a town, the name of which I've forgotten, which I will Google, uh, in the middle of nowhere in Arizona. Tucumcari. Oh, no. Okay. Arizona. All right. Uh, it was called oh, Holbrook. So Holbrook, Arizona, which is a town of, I'm, I'm looking up the population as we speak. Uh, it's in Navajo County. It's got 5,000 people. I didn't actually go into town, but on the outskirts of town, as most towns have, there's a truck stop type thing. Mm-hmm. And there was an Indian restaurant in there. And this is India Indian. Uh, just to, to clarify, since it was in Navajo County in Arizona. 
Yeah, it's like actually in uh, I can't remember. What, I was looking at the map, but it's in it's in that territory, which is interesting. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not sure if is Hol- Holbrook in the Navajo Nation. In, it was maybe. pretty close. Um, it was in I was looking at that. Yeah. Cause I was so fascinated by where you were at because I was like, you're telling me there's like a. <laughs> Yeah, like, a little Indian cuisine. place. Yeah, it's, it's like not near, little; it's huge. But there's the Navajo Nation, and then there's Hopi. It's like between Hopi Navajo Nation and Fort Apache Reservation. It's like all. It's like right in between all of that. Yeah. So oh, I was man. fascinated that there's just an Indian restaurant. <laughs> and uh, the Hopi Reservation is actually surrounded entirely by the Navajo Nation. Yeah. Uh, so that that's another interesting thing. Um, anyway, this place is called Swab Stop. And I had a uh, chicken karahi or a karahi chicken uh, that was legitimately one of my favorite karahi chickens that I've had. Uh, it's just a very That's flavorful, awesome. well-spiced curry. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you if you happen to be in Holbrook, Arizona, <laughs> uh, the odds I, I don't think the odds of that are great, to be clear. Uh, but it was excellent. Uh, and I'll I'll be stopping there again. I'm trying to think nice. if I have anything else. Have you watched anything? I know driving down oh, there is actually, a lot of time. Yeah, that was. Um, I've finally been watching Better Call Saul. Oh, okay. yes. So I'm midway through the first season right now. And it's, I'd, I'd somehow, like, I'd, I'd started it a couple times and I made it halfway through episode two. And it just never <sighs> quite landed for me for no particular reason. Show. I love that show. But now I'm fully like locked in. So yeah, that's uh that's about all I've got. It's not been not been a uh, super exciting week from a social hour perspective. Do you know, know who's from Holbrook, Arizona? Um yes. Uh Gene Evans. <laughs> Who were you gonna yes, say, Trevor? That's true. Mike uh Mike Budenholzer. Yeah, head Mike coach for the Milwaukee answer. Bucks. Is he really? Huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, this actually, there's a, a funny story. So back back in college, uh, we knew a guy who uh, was what's I forget the term. Uh, I'm I'm gonna look up the term. Do do do. So I don't. We all pause and wait while he was tall. Matt no, is googling uh, something. So I, I'm not sure what the condition that put him in this state was, uh, but uh, he was a quadruple amputee or you know had no no arms and no legs. Paraplegic. No, is that what it is? Quadra quadra something. Quadriplegic. You may still have yeah. the limbs, but not be able to use them. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. yeah. And he uh, he didn't ter- have them, um, and he uh, he was you know he coached football locally and. But a funny nice. thing, so Jenny grew up in a, a very small town in Arizona called Kearney, which uh, it's probably got a thousand people in it, if I had to guess. Uh, and it's it really, it's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, oh, 2,000 people. Wow. Um, but this guy, just uh, a news story came across Jenny's you know, Twitter feed, probably. Uh, and this guy is now coaching at the high school that Jenny went to in very rural Arizona. So, funny thing. 
Yeah, that's all. That is a funny thing. Yeah, like uh, who who would have thought? I like that. Um, man, I wish I hadn't seen Better Call Saul so I could watch it again right now. I love that show. I've been watching. Uh, we're coming to the close of we're in the last season of Succession right now, week to oh, week. I, um, I need to watch. I haven't started the new season. Stellar when you say TV. Last? Do you mean like? It is an the final the last, season, or yeah. it is the just final the, season, the most definitely. recent. No, definitely the final season of. of Why are people succession. dying left and right? Is that what's happening? No, but like <laughs> they <laughs> announced, uh, they announced before the season that this was going to be the oh, final gotcha. season. Okay. Um. Yeah. Anyway, so that's that's been great. Um. I. I don't know, I've been dealing with a bunch of crazy stuff, so I've been trying to do better about the things I can control. So I'm getting back in the habit of going to the gym every single day, um, hmm. minus probably one day a week, but at least like consistently exercising every single uh, day. Sabbath? If I'm not going to the gym, yeah, I'll, I'll at least go like run or do something. Um, yeah. Anyway, so that's been good. I, that's felt that's helped me feel good, and I like that. Good. Um, also. I um, got to see an early screening, not super early, but an early screening of Ari Aster's new movie, uh, Bo is Afraid. <laughs> and, and um, what do we think? Oh, man. Because I've just so, seen a lot of jokes and this is Ari Aster who it. made Hereditary and Midsummer. It's um, I almost say I, I a part of me wants to say it's 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 definitely less of like traditional horror movie kind of compared to those two mainly hereditary i mean we're getting kind of like more and more abstract in a way but uh it's starring joaquin phoenix and it's three hours long which is cut down from what ari aster wanted it to be which was like four and a half hours long or something so the director's cut if that ever gets released is going to be extremely long um man it is an absolute trip like i there are a lot of, there are going to be a lot of people who did not, who do not like this. The, like one of the people I saw it with, um, like my best movie buddy, he hated it and I loved it. <laughs> so, um, and we that. diverge sometimes here and there. Uh, but I was just like, so captivated the entire time. I thought it was so, it, it's, it's so insane. Like it's, it's extremely surreal movie. Um, like it's not very literal throughout the entire thing and it's just so chaotic and i i loved it um anyway so i watched that and there's also been this other there's the show i'm watching right now called jury duty are you either of you familiar with this is this the one on um it's on amazon through like free v or something yes i keep seeing like advertisements and stuff it's so commercials and stuff for it (laughs) it's so funny so the the, the premise of the show the premise of the show is like it's like a fake jury and there's this fake trial that's happening and everyone so like everyone's an actor except for one guy and he thinks he's on a real (laughs) jury (laughs) and it's and it's a jury for a trial that's taking place in in like uh somewhere near la and um and so the one guy who doesn't know that it's a fake jury, like they've essentially like set up a situation where they, they, they tell them that they've, they tell everyone that they've gotten permission in order to film like certain things like they're documenting like a jury, like a jury process or whatever. And the main guy like in the series 
you know, thinks that this is a real jury. And one of the one of the funniest aspects of this is that um, uh, why, 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 I don't know why my brain, my brain is blanking um, that uh, James Marsden, the actor, is in it playing it, playing himself. At, like so james marsden is a is a member of the jury or he's like being selected for for jury duty but as james marsden so the main the guy that isn't an actor just thinks like oh james marsden the actor is just like coincidentally in the same jury as me and james marsden is like he's so funny and he's trying all these different things to get out of jury like he, he's trying to like big dog everyone by like showing that he's like an actor and he's really busy and he's waiting for a call from someone really important and he's like trying to prove that he'll be a distraction for the jury so this main guy thinks that james marsden is just kind of like a jerk doing like all this stuff to try to get out of jury duty and it's so funny it's so good and james marsden is constantly trying to like brag about the different things he's in like the sonic the hedgehog movie and like hairspray <laughs> and westworld and all this stuff it's so good it's really funny and it's kind of shot the same way like the office is kind of like that kind of mockumentary style yeah they do like testimonials and all this stuff but anyway or confessionals is that what they're called Testi- i don't know confessionals yeah yeah, yeah. i think it's confessionals. confessionals with with the people and um yeah, the the guy who's not an actor, he's just <laughs> bless his heart. It's 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 really good. I'm all, I'm uh, three episodes in, and it's just it's a real good time. Anyway, highly recommend that. Right. Other than that, I just uh, it was a very relaxing weekend for the most part. I um, we had some nice weather there for a minute, and just sat outside and just relaxed. That was great, um, and literally just soaked it in, and then. It snowed last night a little bit. I don't know if it snowed oh. <laughs> down by you, Trevor, but last night it was like snowing at like 1130, which was just, we're back at it a little bit. But I've been anyway. in Park City the last two days and it has snowed both days Yeah, in Park City. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't think it snowed down here at all, but it, I've definitely seen snow in the last two or three days. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty fun. Um, but yeah, you know, nothing, nothing too crazy. Other than that, um, what else has been going on? Yeah, uh, got new contacts. Went to. Tra- <laughs> I'm looking at my pictures. Went to Trader Joe's. <laughs> Did uh, AARP help with those? Yes, I still yeah. use AARP and the IMED insurance I get through AARP because of uh, in order to get my contacts paid for. Yeah. So shout out to episode 64. I think it was. Why okay, I have a question that's, that? that's not going to be... Because yeah. it wasn't quite episode 65, and I was like, oh, next episode will be retirement age. And it's like... Okay, what? no, yeah. you're right. You're right. Yeah. I remember that. Okay. All right. Not yeah, a great and that, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, and I don't... Okay, I've got a like kind of a big, bigger question that I'm not going to get an answer to, but I, trying to find, like... <laughs> how to buy betting online is really difficult and like sheets and like linens and all that stuff. What's there are so the- many opinions. There are so oh, many, it's yeah. so difficult. There's like different materials, thread counts, do thread counts matter? Thread counts do matter, but if they are, if they're too high, then they don't matter anymore. Cause there's ways to artificially inflate the thread count. And there's just yeah, like, and it's, and it's, like, it's not like it's synonymous with comfort. Right. Right. And also I don't think 
I think I looked into this for like a minute before I just gave up. And you can like, spend a I'm lot gonna, of time looking into it. I'm just going to buy betting. And if I don't like it, I'll buy different betting next time was kind of <laughs> yeah. my attitude towards it. So but yeah, I read, it's hard if you're about I, to spend like maybe like $400 on like a whole thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, and I, I yeah. get that. But I remember reading an article about thread count and it was like, there isn't a standardized thread like way to like count threads. So like, the same material from one company might be a 300 thread count as another company's 800 thread count. It's like the same level of, of thread or whatever. I no idea. So it's not like you can go to two different companies and their 800 thread count is going to feel or be exactly the same. It's just whatever they decide, what number they arbitrarily decide to assign to it based on whatever process they use to arrive at that number. And as soon as I read that, I was like, oh, if it's not standard, I'm not learning about this. Yeah, I'm just going to look at a price point a waste of time. and look at a color and just buy something in that fits that. Yeah. I just want white sheets and I want black sheets. And that's yeah. all I care about. Yeah. So we bought new bedding recently uh, and I just read the wire cutter, uh, which is the New York Times recommendation site. Okay. And they had uh, they had some good good recommendations, and I've I've liked you know, what I got. Uh, Jason you know actually had good priced, well priced, like comfortable sheets. I um, think a lot of department stores do, but one yeah. thing that's difficult and really insane about it is like uh, some people will be like giving their recommendations, and it's like, yeah, I bought these this line from you know Target, and they've lasted me ten years. Okay, so now you're saying that you've had them for ten years, and during that time, Target has almost certainly changed where they're manufactured. Like mm-hmm. they've probably cheapened out mm-hmm. quite a bit. So people are like, I've gotten all these, you know, I bought these from you know LL Bean in 1998, and they're still perfect. Like you should buy these ones, and it's like there's zero percent chance they're the same like quality, like it really mm-hmm. just helps emphasize the fact that every single like American company has just completely changed their manufacturing practices and try to make it, make it as inexpensive as physically possible. And that often comes at the cost of uh, quality. Um, I know it's weird. Just like I'll, I'll buy like, you know, cheap secondhand stuff on, on like eBay or whatever. Like I, I have this Columbia fleece that's made in, made in usa and it feels so much more high quality than any of the stuff that i have like mm. that they make now and it just makes me like i'm like i don't know man I, yeah like I, I there's a lot of stuff that goes into that like with like labor practices but it just makes me sad how it's like it's hard to i don't know man it's hard to find it's hard to know like what's good and uh, it's just stressing me out. Lately. Yeah. The one thing yeah. I'd say about betting is uh, focus on the material you want rather than, totally. than the brand like yeah. silk or, or satin sheets in the, in the summer can be really nice. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, flannel sheets in the winter and that becomes a little shortcut. Yeah, yeah. I, I got wrapped up into a linen discussion yesterday and that's a whole that's a whole thing yes it is um anyway so if you have good recommendations let let me know and stuff that you've bought recently because if you've bought something from somewhere 10 years ago and it's lasted you this long congratulations but it's not really helpful for me at this point maybe maybe they'll give it to you maybe if you want to give me (laughs) like inherited family heirloom linens yes please i'll take those as well but anyway i'll look for well, well hold on what size bed 
What are we talking about? Uh, here? Well, technically, well, you can just get <laughs> or is king, that part of the get king size. Yeah, and then you can just fold them under. Mm-hmm. I okay. I'm sure that won't have any bad effect, especially fitted sheets. I hate that <laughs> very <laughs> yeah. much. Yeah, that's okay. Fair. <laughs> I, I that thought somebody I was, would. When I was a kid, we had to like make our own beds and like. Every month or whatever, we had to like swap out the sheets. I don't remember how often it was, but my parents made us do it. And we like never kept anything straight. Like I had a small bed. My brother had a bigger bed. Um, My sister had a bigger bed. My other brother had a small bed. Like we had all different kinds of sizes of beds and all different types of bedding. And so none of it was ever kept straight. You never got like a matching set of anything. It was just like get sheets on your bed. That's all we care about. And so often I'd get like one of my parents like set of king sheets to go on my twin bed and I just had to put that on and that's what it was. And so like, anyway, I've got experience with that and it sucks. Don't do that. Get the right size sheet for your bed. This is great. That's going to go in my book too. Oh, I forgot to give one very good update. That's my last thing I got to mention. Um, I sent this to you guys in Slack, but on Sunday, my mom had prepared a Laffy Taffy oh. tasting yeah, because she was so intrigued by the conversation that we had about the different sizes of Laffy Taffy tasting differently. Egg and Taffy the, and, and all that. Yeah, the Egg Taffy, versus, which is the um, tangy one, is the mm. like the, the bar-sized one were kind of the, you know, they're, they're a little chewier but they, and they're a little, they're more tart. But those were the favorites uh, among all the flavors. So like my mom had the minis or I can't remember if we had the minis, but she, she had the the big long ones, which are the same as the minis mm. and then the bars. And we compared they're like so, there's there's such different colors, <laughs> taste, <laughs> texture. It's all different, but they claim to be the same flavor. Mm. They just are the tangy one anyway. So that was really fun. <laughs> and I ate a lot of taffy on Sunday with my mom. Love that for you. That was good. That was great. Anyway, um, should we talk some news among RSL organization? I suppose we should. Well, okay. let's pull up the doc. What's first? Oh, okay. The cool. first thing is that thing that we definitely didn't know is that Amy no, Rodriguez is, was hired as the Utah Royals head coach. It's all brand new information. So mm-hmm. everyone's pretty stoked about this, which is cool. Yeah. Yes. It, it is a feel so, good hire. Certainly. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like there's two parts to this hire and one of them I just want to point out, but I also don't want to be like Debbie Downer about the whole thing is you've got a reputation to keep Trevor. I I know (laughs) I want so badly to just be excited and brainless about the Royals because I really enjoyed the Royals when they were here before. And I want to really enjoy the Royals when they're here again. And I don't want to like, I really liked the Royals before because they didn't have like any of the problems that RSL did. They were a fun team to watch all the time. They played fun teams. They played fun soccer. It was, it was great. So the, the thing that's kind of a bummer um, is just that she's, she's not like an in-house hire, but she kind of is. Oh, and she doesn't have any, I shouldn't say that she has very, very little actual coaching experience she's been the assistant coach of the usc USC. women's team for one season 
Yeah, she has no professional teams? coaching experience, right? Or experience coaching a professional, a professional team. team. And yeah. no experience as a head coach either. And yeah. I'm, this is the thing that I this irks me about this fan base is that as a general rule, people don't seem to see a problem with that because it worked with Jason Christ. So it should definitely work with every other person that we do it. Anytime we have a club legend, we should just make them a head coach because it's going yeah. to work out. And we're going to win a championship. That's not how this, how the world works. Like Jason and, Christ was yeah. one in a hundred when taking us to a championship. And we kind of see how it worked when he left. Not very well. He, he didn't really find the same success anywhere else. Um, so I, I'm a little bit trepidatious about the hire for that reason, but we're trying to suppress those feelings and emotions <laughs> and just simply be excited because uh-huh. she, she was my She's favorite awesome. player. She was yeah. great. She was so much fun to watch and her attitude on and off the field and all that was just like perfect. I love yeah. Amy Rodriguez and I'm really, really stoked that we're bringing that kind of person to the Royals. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, <laughs> that sums it up. <laughs> is she a world class hire? She's a world class player. She was yeah. a world class player. That's, the loophole I of calling she's it a world class hire is that I, I, I think we're using words that um, have been. To, I can't remember when they were used. I don't know if it was in the press conference. They've known who they were going to hire for a while now. Yeah. Um, and when describing that hire, the words world class were used, and there's. You know, Amy, no, said, like, I think the words world class hire were used. Yeah. And like when you hire a world class player, <laughs> you're technically making a world class hire. So kudos to the PR team on that one. Yeah. yeah. Um, Not sure I agree with that, uh, but <laughs> we'll get Leo Messi to coach RSL. Yeah. World class hire. That one might be yeah. kind of cool. Like, it, That'd be fun. but to your point, Trevor, like people get this way, this fan base gets that way about like, we should just hire hire Kyle Beckerman as the yeah. as RSL's coach. I hear that all the time, and like, don't get me wrong, I would love to see Kyle Beckerman back as part of the organization, but like, make him a youth coach, make him an assistant coach, let him yeah. like. And I love I think, that he's a head coach at a Division One school right now. Like, that's good yeah. experience. Yeah. Let him learn somewhere else. I don't want him to learn as the head coach <laughs> and then have to fire him in a year or two because he actually sucks. And he doesn't yeah. know what he's doing because somebody that just finished playing doesn't know how to coach. They need to learn. Yeah. Here's a funny thing. Nana. I mean, let me double check this. Is John Ellinger coaching anywhere right now? I don't I imagine so. he is. There's no way. Last, no. I think last we looked it up, he was like running a youth club somewhere. Good. good like for he him. was like a youth club director. Um, all of RSL's former coaches are no longer head coaches anywhere. And I think uh, is Jason Christ an assistant somewhere now? Wow, he, he's uh, in uh, Florida. Oh, he is in Orlando. Ellinger oh, was an assistant yeah, right. in FC uh, for FC Dallas after RSL for four years, and then that was it. Yeah. So you know, it's just well, he had he had a stint or two with either youth national teams or yeah, it had to be like youth national teams, like the U15. He was an assistant coach for a bit. Yeah. Uh, so you know, it's I would love to break out of that pattern. Yeah. And like have a have a coach leave and succeed. I I mean that would hurt on its own, but uh in a different way. Yeah. No, we I think did you're have a coach right. leave and succeed, Matt, if you recall. <laughs> Freddie Juarez won the Champions League with Seattle. <laughs> That's true. <Yeah. laughs> That's a great point. Um 
yeah so that's uh that's it's it's a cool moment for for utah royals i really hope i wish for nothing but the best for amy i'm just a little nervous for but i like the bar the bar as uh i can't remember if it was lucas or colin pointed out i think it was lucas the bar for hires in nwsl right now uh is pretty low considering different things that have happened with uh I think that Certain. was Ian that pointed that oh, out. Oh, was but it yeah, Ian? Like, uh, yeah. With Ian. all the stuff that's come out of a lot of NWSL coaches over the last two years, like, hi- yeah, hiring somebody without a history of that is a little bit of a win. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and someone who seems very, good, yeah, right? someone who's very unlikely to, yeah, fall into any of those bad situations. So, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So that's good. Feeling good about that. Agreed. Um, let's see. Uh, okay, yeah. The next thing that we have down, uh, <laughs> Bryce Duke was traded to my traded to Miami with Ari Lasseter for Kamal Miller and one point three million dollars of general allocation money. So, shout out to Bryce Duke for that one. Um, sad that he just like, what was the deal? Did he just not want to play for RSL? I know Weibel didn't like pursue a contract with him at a certain point or I don't the know, but we essentially story, gave up his yeah. right for 50K. The yeah, story I was told was that, and I don't remember who told me, and I'm not holding anybody accountable for this, but the story I was told was that he just didn't want to sign with RSL. Yeah. Can I don't you, know if that meant that we like offered him something and it wasn't enough, or if he just saw the culture and wanted to be somewhere else, but like he ended up at LA. So like, LAFC, I have no idea. Right. Yeah, LAFC. So I have no idea if like LAFC was pursuing him as a youth player and they were like, come play for LA. And he was like, should I play in Los Angeles as a professional soccer player or start my career in Salt Lake? I have no idea, but I I imagine that that had something to do with it. But yeah, what I was told was that we just didn't offer him a deal. And as soon as somebody else was interested in signing him, we we gave him up pretty easily. Which is the right thing to do, right? If you're oh, yeah, not yeah. Find the kid. Totally. But yeah. there's there's another conversation. I don't know if we're going to have it. Let me check the thing. Okay. Maybe we, we should can. have this conversation. All right. Um, there's a lot of RSL homegrowns that don't play for RSL and are still in MLS <laughs> or players who went through the academy and don't play for RSL or maybe never did play for RSL. And there's an aspect of that that's like kind of – crappy because you have uh, Ledesma who's at NYCFC right now yeah. and who proud I would love to see at RSL mm-hmm. so like there's that kind of player but then there's players like Corey Baird and Duke that like either went through the academy and played for RSL or never played for RSL and are serviceable starters players in the league and that's a good thing also I think I think there's a lot of people that that see RSL players playing for other teams and like getting sad about it or getting mad about it for whatever reason. I just, I don't think that's the right reaction. I feel like if we're getting Academy kids to become professionals, then that's the Academy working, isn't it? On some level. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, clearly it's not like running at full speed and and we're batting a hundred, but a thousand, but like, it's good that academy kids are becoming professionals. Still pros. Yeah, it's good that we can point to kids that are thinking of coming or playing for RSL and say, "Hey, look, even if it doesn't work out here, 
these guys all still became pros. Yeah. yeah. Your, some good your path of to that. pro is, is still possible, even if you don't make it to the RSL first team. Yeah, someone pointed out that uh, NYCFC had two RSL homegrowns on their roster on Saturday, which included Luis Barraza, the keeper, um, who's 26, but was part of the academy for three years, I think. Um, I yeah. think he's also from New Mexico, but would have been around that Justin Glad, Aaron Herrera age. Yeah, um, that, that, that it's been a while since I've I've heard his name because he's mm-hmm. been playing with NYCFC two, and. Um, you know, hasn't made a ton of first team team starts. I didn't realize he was their starter, and I watched part of that game too. So, because I was <laughs> interested about, I was interested in what Ledesma was doing. Yeah, um, who he looks, uh, he looks pretty nice. Honestly, he got an assist on on Saturday. But. Yeah, I think the the bigger thing for me is not that teams are picking up you know former RSL academy players who are succeeding, um, but more that we are not doing that actively yes. right now right yes the the homegrown factory has uh has shuttered well no okay so let me counter with no, this no, how that's many, an exaggeration of course yeah i mean how many homegrown players has a team signed over the past two or three years see i can't a lot. care about yeah. that because I, we don't see those players play even to some extent for real monarchs Right. No, yeah. So that's, and that's kind of the point I'm getting to. Like, that's the part of the academy that is breaking down is getting them to monarchs, getting them minutes, develop, developing them in house to become professionals for RSL and good players for RSL. It seems yeah. like anytime a player the last couple of years has gotten close, something has happened and then they're no longer with RSL. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking David Ochoa is a monarchs. good example, but we also have, you know, players like well, Tate Schmidt might not be the best example, but Tate Schmidt like came up, played with the Monarchs, too, I think. and then just kind of petered out. Once they yeah. get to RSL, they're not really always succeeding in ways that we want them to succeed, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the academy isn't getting players to the doorstep rsl is kind of dropping the ball on a lot of players i feel like yeah Yeah, and i I certainly don't want to say this is the fault of the academy or of the players or of you know the gm or the coach right well whose fault is it matt it's got to be somebody's it's a a complex of factors (laughs) which i think we i don't know we see a lot at this club and uh it's exhausting right now yeah um a little bit the Monarchs also lost zero to four against Sporting Kansas City two, and Sporting Kansas City two scored a few really, <laughs> really oh. impressive goals against them. Um, it was but pretty. Makes the Monarchs like I'm not completely up to speed, but the Monarchs are now like, like I think they've won two or three games and they lost won two or three game. games. They won, won one game and they've lost. Uh, I, I'm sure they've won one and lost three, if I remember correctly. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought they had and the ones they lost. <laughs> they lost. Oh yeah, zero three to Minnesota United two five zero um, to Tacoma Defiance zero one. They beat their the Quakes two last yeah. week, and then they lost to Kansas yeah. City zero okay. four. Um, Jacquesson's been one of the better players so far for them this year, um, which I guess you'd expect, you would hope, uh, seeing as he's on a senior contract. Yep. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> 
we'd like to continue to see that. But I mean, as far as yeah, we haven't seen. I mean, Delance Pierre has been getting some time with them as well, and M- Moses Nyman had a pretty rough game against Sporting Kansas mm-hmm. City too. But um, so I don't really quite expect to see him do too much with RSL, quite honestly. But they have um, one goal scored on the season. They played four yeah. four games, so it's looking good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of a th- uh, sort of a theme with uh, this club, <laughs> struggling to score. So some speaking, goals. Speaking um, of things that are looking good, how about that new parlay kit? I like the parlay <laughs> nice. kit. That was also, <laughs> um, I okay. Like, I get why I get people being, you know, people are mad at the club and people are frustrated with the results. And I, you know, I completely, I, I understand. I we get it. However. Don't understand commenting on like random RSL posts on on uh, Instagram, basically being like, so they announced <laughs> people are being so critical at this point. Like they they announced um, the new parlay kits, and twenty five dollars from each kit sold is going to save our Great Salt Lake, which is a great oh, organization. Okay. Yeah, which is a fantastic organization. I know people that do a lot of work with them. And they're great people. And that's a great like 25 bucks per kit is not nothing. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty sweet. For and an people MLS in, kit, that comes out to about 10% of the kit, right? That's a joke. <laughs> I mean, it's not a good joke. 20, 20, 20%. Yeah. Um, but like the comments on this post, I'm just like. Shut up. Is it just people? Is it people complaining about? Can we win games instead of making new kits? Plastic yes. isn't the reason your backdrop is critically like people are just being like insanely weird online. How about winning a few games first? This is my favorite thing is when we get comments like that on like league wide initiatives. Like RSL <laughs> didn't design the kit. RSL has nothing to do with it. They pretty much just agreed to wear it for one game. And like, yeah, what they it? did have a part in is donating money to save our greats at Lake, which is the <laughs> yeah. first time that's happened, which I think is an awesome development. Yeah. And just it's usually like, a, an international organization or at least a national one. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm sure a good, like parlay's whole thing is that like, that's like their whole thing. So money's still going to that. But the fact that more like money that wasn't going to save our greats like before is now going to them from these Jersey sales, I think is pretty sweet. And people yeah. are just being psychotic online to well, like, I get take <laughs> oh my gosh okay they posted a picture of like all the players out at the great salt lake like like it's a great I don't, they, yeah and they have people from save a great salt lake oh they and they made kaye shirts too yeah, i was gonna say i thought um, kaye also made a save a great salt lake shirt yeah oh, that's man. really cool uh people are like how about we defend the net have you seen how bad our goal differential is we need, i'm like dude this is so like i get focus your like just let's just stay focused here huh <laughs> can yeah. we like yeah. we just lay off on like i i am very upset with how rsl has played for a lot of this year but i am not going to be commenting on like one of a good thing that's happening admittedly off the field and being and yeah like just just st- stay focused eyes on the prize people okay <laughs> like yeah. be smart about being psycho online there's time. There's a time and place for yeah, it. Yeah. There's like, just focus like, your energies. Focus your psychotic energies online to more beneficial places than just tweeting yeah. at you. 
go to Ryan Smith's mentions. Like, leave, (laughs) do go tweet at him. Like, don't comment on Instagram when he's tweeting about something other than the RSL game that's on at the moment. Feel free. Go. Yeah, I don't care about that. I don't. I'll I'll lead an organized organized harassment campaign. I don't care. But like, (laughs) just. Like if I see if I see like people being mean in an and like a like RSL donating money to Save Our Gretzel Lake, I think is an awesome, awesome, awesome thing. Yeah. And so just shut up. <laughs> don't not, don't be saying even, anything bad about that. Yeah, it's not even like don't comment on RSL stuff, but just like focus your energy no, no. a little bit. Like just, just definitely log off. you, <laughs> you <laughs> Well, could. I mean the bigger thing is you should just not be online, but yeah. true. But you could be like Hey, this is a cool thing. And that's all you need to say on that post. And then there are other places where you can say, Hey, this team sucks a lot. Like, yeah. Put the right comment in the right place. Yeah. That's my, my take on this whole thing. Stop making like random people's (laughs) who work at the club, their lives bad. Don't do that. Just make the people's lives, like make the decision makers lives (laughs) instead. Yeah. That's my point to like giving it to admin. But like, time and place. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, hundred percent. You can dunk on the brand. That's fine. Yeah, if admin's trying to tweet something about how RSL is such a great team, like, chime in. Feel free. But if they're tweeting about like donating to charity, like that's not the time (laughs) to tell them that the team is bad. Or in this case, something that is like really existentially looming (laughs) over a lot of us. Local. Yeah, like it's local. We turned yeah, a league just, initiative into a local stop. initiative. That's I, good stuff. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Good so job, I, and I did see some positive comments in there. I will say there are people behaving appropriately, but I'm going to get in there with my dang sword if I don't see people shape up. I'm tired of it. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired of the, I'm tired of the nonsense. I hope that sword shape is nice up. and sharp. Here's oh, something you can put in your book, Matt. They need to yeah. shape up or ship out. Oh, there we go. That's good. <laughs> That's the yeah. I'll think about it. It's a good parent parent line. So RSL <laughs> that is a good play, a good parent line. Um, RSL played. I was looking at scores and I saw that Liverpool beat Leeds six to one, which was funny. Mm. Um, just a tip for anyone. I think liver. I think RSL should try playing Leeds because I think that's a good way to get back into form. Um, that sounds good. Play Leeds. Uh, Okay, yeah. anyway, so United <laughs> Real Salt Lake played FC Dallas in Dallas on oh. Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um it was a game that happened. And we lined up in a in our in our classic four four two that we have not strayed away from at all this they, year. You could have seen a Liverpool v Leeds game from nineteen eighty five, probably. <laughs> That's right. We had two teams. We had FC Dallas and our Real Salt Lake in MLS 1.0 fashion going 4-4-2 against each other at Toyota Park. It was extremely early MLS behavior. Um one one uh, a positive here, Bodie Hidalgo but uh made his first MLS start. So shout out to Bodie Hidalgo for that one. That is um, Pop Jamie healed. Yeah, his ha- his hammy became considerably unpopped as of recently. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we had Vera Silva Glad Davis or not Davis Hidalgo on the back. Mm-hmm. We had Sava Ruiz Luffelsend and Gomez along that second row four, and then Julio and Rubin up top. Um, 
<clears throat> a few I'm, things. Uh, rough there really quick. Yeah, I don't think RSL played poorly in the attacking half of the field. Yeah, finishing wasn't wasn't quite there. But I'm, I thought we played this is. I honestly think this is our most complete game we've played all season. Yeah, and that's a problem for me because the defensive half looked kind of par for the course. And I'm it was rough. I, know, I am worried. Yeah, we haven't had we've we've now gone 12 games. Our last 12 games played. We have not had a shutout. Um, we've started the seat. This this officially locked us in for the longest start of the of a season without a shutout in RSL history. But that, of course, goes back into last season as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, <laughs> things got off to a pretty, pretty quick start for Dallas. Sadly, I mean, our RSL looked pretty good early on, early before we gave up a, a goal in the, uh, uh, fifth minute. <laughs> we looked good before that. I was like, Oh, Gomez is looking nice. He had, he had kind of a nice little move early on. Um, but their goal really really frustrated me so Mm -hmm. uh fifth minute i think this is uh is that legit no it's uh it's the right back it's the ball so legit's holding the ball up on the right side and he has um we've shifted very far to the left side of the field where glad and and uh bodie hidalgo are man marking two players one of those hidalgo's on jesus ferreira there's a there's a very lurky Paul Ariola to the far left side of the field who's just completely wide open. Um, kind of becomes relevant here in a second with with Bodie Hidalgo's decision making. Um, but essentially, we've got Marcelo Silva behind Sebastian Legette. Jasper Leffelsund kind of trying to uh, cover a passing lane back into the midfield or back to the middle of the field. And then Brian Vera... Um, gets caught flat footed and uh, FC Dallas is right back. Gio- Giovanni, is that how you say his name? Um, makes a run <laughs> and apparently just with his speed completely blows by Vera Silva and Luffelsund with one touch. He just <laughs> kicks it by him and runs by all three of them. Oh, and I is completely out of that because it really just distressed me. Just watching and it completely yeah. stuck together. And what's really frustrating, too, is that he was pinned on the sideline. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you don't want to give up a yellow that early in the game. But, like, you're in a situation where he's about to beat three guys. And the fact that we couldn't stop him on on the end line or the on, on the sideline like that was was pretty frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as he gets by, Justin Glad is pointing to the far back post because now we're in a situation where Giovanni has the ball on the right side. And it's basically just Justin Glad and Bodie Hidalgo marking Jesus Ferreira, Jimenez, and Paul Ariola, who's completely unmarked still because there's really nothing to do. So Justin Glad can't really do anything to close down the space on Giovanni, who ends up making the pass um, into Jesus Ferreira. Bodie Hidalgo holds holds up a little bit instead of compl- like just really locking down Jesus Ferreira. I think he was kind of caught in a few different minds of maybe trying to hold the onside trap or the offside trap. Uh, also had a mind on Paul Ariel at the back post. And then also there's a guy kind of like wandering into the 18 that Brian Ojeda or excuse me, Pablo Ruiz kind of just let go. Um, so, uh, but it goes right to Jesus Ferreira, who's a very good goal scorer in MLS and, 
like just just easily buries it um wasn't even it just was way too easy and the fact that we got broken down like this this easily was just pretty sad <laughs> yeah it and like you can look at some individual mistakes right so Vera on the left side giving getting caught flat-footed uh, but like there's a reason he's in the position to be flat-footed there and it, there's just a real ripple effect with every player kind of covering for each other uh, and yeah. not in that like inspiring way like oh we're all in it together it's instead like Oh, he's over here, so I'm going to be here. I don't know. I I, I like really it. don't know what Brian Vera was doing on that one because after the ball gets into Legit, he's more advanced than uh, um, Giovanni, who passes the ball to Legit, obviously, and then he's kind of coming back to the ball and just completely loses track of Giovanni and just lets him go right by him. Um, and I don't like he. I don't. I just have no idea what Vera was doing here, and that ended up being incredibly costly because Silva looks really slow on this play, sadly, and Leffelsend as well. It's just, it's a tough. I don't know. It's, 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 it's it wasn't good. Um, it's not a good look. I know, and it's really just, just stupid, stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as this game proceeded, like RSL. To their credit, didn't like I thought played really well in the, in the attacking third. The the big glaring hole with this team continues to be that we do not have a striker that can score goals. We have a winger who is playing at striker who can sometimes score in Anderson Julio. We have Rubio Rubin who has not scored a goal in so long and who is not doing a lot of things very well right now. So I I actually thought this was a pretty good aside from the goal scoring aspect. I thought Rubin was okay. He was fine. And I know that's a contrarian position. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of the problem, okay, right? Um, yeah, I don't I think, think he was very okay. I, I think he should been, have gotten a red card on the in this game too. Also, oh yeah, that's true. Discounting the red card uh, that he should have had, um, I he comes back a lot, right? Uh, to try to build. And then he has to immediately get up. And I think I don't, we had a great thing. This is going to, this is tangential, uh, which is sort of the theme of the podcast. Uh, so we had a, a good thing with Demir Krylik when he made deep, runs from deep, right? Even if he was yeah. playing at striker, he would make a, a well-timed run. Um, and I wrote, the, wrote about this in the newsletter this week. It's kind of why it's front of mind. Um, but we saw Pablo Mastroeni say during preseason, like we are asking Demir and again, Demir didn't play, but bear with me. We're asking Demir to play further forward to get in behind. And I think that's probably the expectation for Rubin in that role as well. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think it's, it's particularly fair, especially if you have two strikers, you don't need both of them. In a, a, a especially line, when right? one is Anderson Julio and his like that's like his only thing is getting in behind. Yeah, and I, no, I and we talked about this in one of the other games. Uh, I can't remember if it was last week, the week before, but I think Rubio Rubin's best quality and and God bless his heart, he's he's really trying out there and he's doing the thing that you should do when you're a striker out of form, where you're trying to get the ball and you're coming back to show for the ball 
in the midfield. Yeah. And he does do a lot of that. And he does a lot more of that than Demir Krylock has been doing in the times that we've seen him this season. He does that way. Like Anderson Julio does not do that. Anderson Julio is trying to, to, to stretch the back line. And that's fine if both him and Rubio Rubino are playing. So what I, I agree with you in that what Ru, I think Rubio Rubino is doing well is, is connecting the midfield with, yeah. with that, that offensive line. And I think without that, I think this looks really bad. I think you're right. Yeah. And yeah, what, what, what like, I think would be great yeah. is like what, what what the problem is that in in my in my opinion is that uh it's pretty clear we have a gap in like at the 10. Mm-hmm. We are we are very often getting to the, like the man city zone, um, getting to the end line, and we're trying to play balls back or getting to like the, the corner of the six and trying to play balls back towards the top of the 18, and no one's there because Pablo Ruiz mm-hmm. and Jesper Luffelsund aren't there. And their um, forwards are pushed even higher, and, right? Yeah. So, like in the buildup, Rubin is playing in, in the spots that a 10 might drop by, uh, might be occupying to, to, to connect the lines, but. When we're actually in the final third, there's no one in the space that you'd expect to tend to be at. So now we're we're like asking. So Ruby Rubin is coming back to try to like get involved in the buildup play, but then when it comes to the actual like final pass, we don't have anyone in the spaces that you kind of expect a number ten to be doing. Yeah, that job of both of those jobs, and then Ruby Rubin sadly just cannot. Like he's just not clinical at all right no. now, and it's been a long time since he has been, and yeah. I don't know. And Pablo, what Pablo is going for and what he's been trying to do is ha- trying to force him to play through it. And we saw that in this game where Anderson Julio came off for Danny Musovsky. So we basically just had Ruby Rubin and Danny Musovsky running around for the last part of this game. Um, and, and it was pretty desperate times. And it, but yeah, it feel it's intentional, right? It feels like it doesn't. It's the next striker put on the next best striker and take off the one who's probably the most tired. Yeah, if we if we are playing a 4-4-2 and Ruby Urbine has to start and we had an actual like really strong like really good number 9 next to him, I would be okay with what we've got going on because I think Ruby Urbine is doing a lot of those things well. But the problem is is like we've got a winger playing next to him and it's just he, he and Julio are often he and Julio and Gomez actually at a lot of times are occupying the same space mm-hmm. and um, like Gomez is playing opposite of Jefferson Saverino, but they are playing two very different positions. If you watch, if you watch them, uh, Gomez is playing far more advanced. He's not coming back nearly as much on, on defense as, as Jefferson. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it sucks to, it sucks to feel like, like we've got a big problem with Rubio Rubin because he's doing a lot of things well. But the problem is, is that if the team's not scoring and you're this one of the starting center forwards, like you got to at at some point, you just got to be scoring yeah. goals and you got to find a way to make that happen. And can I give you a couple numbers yeah. that I just came across? Please. Yeah, I have some numbers, too, after you. I hope that we have the same number. Um, so I'm just looking at like RSL versus the league. Um, as far as just in general categories, and there's one that stands out and you tell me if this is a good or bad thing. We are currently tied for first with shots on target per match. I 6.1. Are we, who are we tied with there? It was LAFC. LAFC. So I are, 
That's where my was number, it? So um, let's get where's it. the number? I was looking at our XG. Our XG is like middle of the road, um, but for the season, our XG is at nine point zero. Depending on who you look at, I'm looking at Fop Mob just because it's easier. Um, it's nine point zero. We've scored seven goals, and that's on six shots per tar- six shots on goal per game. Yeah, that I think it's incredible that we've only generated nine XG. Mm-hmm. off of six times however many games we've played seven that many shots on goal and we've only got nine xg and mm-hmm. then from that we've only got seven goals we are great we're, we're just fine at giving putting ourselves in positions where we can score goals but we can't score goals so i think there are a couple things that i like to think about here uh the first is that I think we're getting shots on target from, le- I mean, so we see this in the XG number, right? Yeah. yeah. Our XG is, is middle of the road. Uh, and when your shots are that high, so do you still have it pulled up? I'm curious where LAFC sets in, For what? X, in, in XG. XG. Um, let me hold on. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if they were similar to us. Cause I don't think LAFC looks awesome that awesome when i watch them play but they, they have not lethal they have lethal players what's their so xg on the year ours is 16th in the league at 9.0 okay. across the whole season uh lafc is fifth in the league at 12.5 across the whole season they have One thing 15 about goals to our seven yeah um they I thought this because I watched I watched El Trafico on Sunday and LAFC did not look good for large stretches of that game. Mm-hmm. But the the thing is, is that they just have players like Carlos Vela or, or Denny Buanga. And like that was the same thing with the week before is like the difference a player like that makes like, OK, you're getting outplayed by Austin FC, but you have Denny Buanga who scores a hat trick out of three, like <laughs> essentially a garbage chance chances creates like a has a miraculous volley that just clinical a couple other things like scoring against the run of play is a lot easier when you've got people that lethal. And I, I mean, in this game was a little bit different because the game was so early on, but like, that's the, that's what like a Jesus Ferreira brings you mm-hmm. um, is that you get one chance. I, 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 how many shots on goal did uh, Dallas have in this game? Was it two or three? Two, 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 two that's shots the next, on goal. Two that's goals. the next oh, set of numbers sorry. I want to talk about. <laughs> okay. No, no, it's fine. In this game, they had four shots, Two of them were on goal. They scored two goals. I think their XG in the game, if you want that, oh, I lost it. Their XG was like, XG was like 0.7 or 0.7. It was, le- it was less than one. Oof. RSL's XG was, I think, 1.2, 1.5, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've thought it a was lot much about better. XG 1.5 over the last week or not quite a week, but and, and I'm trying to like, figure out internally like obviously getting shots off is a good indicator it's not the best indicator xg no, is a better but, indicator of results right sure but some things are working so some things but if we're getting low quality shots off that are easily saved and i think we've seen a lot of shots mm-hmm. that are easily saved like would a would a better player in that position in that exact circumstance. So obviously we, that that's not how it works because he can't drop a player right. in, but pretend we had like, would a, a better goal scorer have scored many more of those. And I think, let me, 
Maybe. Maybe. Answer this with a, a scenario. I think this was the Charlotte game. Mm-hmm. Rubio Rabin received a cross. I feel like this was early in the game. He received a cross, was yeah. completely unmarked, and yeah. headed it right at the goalkeeper. I think mm-hmm. he might be the only number nine in the whole league that doesn't score that chance. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I feel like he was unlucky on, on that one in particular, but like it's hard to, when he still hasn't scored, it's kind of hard to be like, yeah, he's unlucky. Sure, but I mean, so you, you give that, to, okay, so maybe he's not the only you're one. Right. No, you, you're right, though. Almost like, every are, other number nine, you leave him free at the penalty spot, closer well, to the penalty spot. He, he had on four chances in that, he had four chances in that game that, they, three they chances that he challenged the keeper. They don't know, hit it right sorry. at the guy. Like so, he he had a few in that game that were really bad. Anderson Julio had, I mean, like I said, not a striker. He's a winger playing as a striker. He had how many times did he get in behind on Charlotte and like didn't score? And like yeah. regardless, I mean, if we signed one more, if we sign a, a striker, and either Anderson Julio or Rubio Rubin is likely to play, so we still need either one of them to. We need both of them to be contributing goals right now but like the fact that if we did sign one we would still be playing one of these guys but anyway that to your point like i mean to yeah. those chances that we generate um are we generating enough to where a striker would make like a world of difference and it's hard to it's so hard to to know so here's, here's why i think it doesn't matter actually that much uh, and that's because we keep letting teams score inside yeah. the first 15 minutes <laughs> and the, the best way to give a team easy opportunities to like tilt a little more defensively is to give them the let lead. them score early yeah and then yeah so it's, we're in more defended positions that, that was point. why charlotte yeah. was so weird was because yeah. despite the fact that we let them score first they continued to play a high a high line and let and gave us space in behind which is what other teams do not do um yeah. so that was kind of that felt like an anomaly and then when they were tired they still kept giving us space and we just destroyed them so yeah it's definitely a two-part question and there's part of it that says like it doesn't matter how many goals we if we had scored if we if we were beating our xg right now as a team i don't think it really gets us in a much better position because we've allowed a million goals this year and like yeah you definitely so it's two parts. Like we definitely need a better striker. We need better goal scorers. We need players that can finish their chances a lot better. But we also need to learn how to play defense again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, we need but, to figure and, out what's going on between our midfield and our and our defensive line. Like there's yeah, something. It's definitely two two things. They're definitely linked, but they're definitely on their own problems. Yeah, and I don't think we can really solve the goal scoring problem until we have solved the massive gaps between the midfield and the defense problem. Uh, yeah. And I mean, uh, well, this game's kind of a good example. I felt like Yasser was having a pretty rough game defensively and he got subbed out at halftime for uh, Ojeda. Um, we should continue in, uh, into this game. So uh, oh, yeah. in the 12th minute, beginning of the 12th minute, Anderson, or excuse me, uh, Savarino has a shot from a short corner that's played from to him. From the corner of the 18, it's a it's a it's a really good shot. It's a really dangerous shot. Um, goes just wide, but that's the type of stuff that he scores um, and has scored for us in the past. So I am very on board with Savarino shooting from distance. He was probably a foot wide of of that going into the um, side netting. So that was that was great to see. Um, there was a moment uh, where 
um, <laughs> where Rubio Rubin played this like weird cross and it was headed down to the top of the box. And then we saw Pablo Ruiz trying to do Pablo Ruiz things. The one of 20 times that we see, and he takes a shot from, uh, from pretty far outside the 18, like a good, it, it was a good shot from him. He hits the corner back net on the outside of the net. Looked like it the, went in at first. The stanchion. Um, yeah. Hit that like yeah. whole thing back there. Uh, but that's the 21st minute. So, I mean, we mentioned how few shots Dallas had in this game and, um, Oh, so it did hit that pole. That was, that's holding up the net. Yeah. Um, like this did not feel like a game that Dallas scored and they were like, we got to pile it on this weak RSL team. Like that's not the vibe or the impression I got at all. They, a lot of their fans were also a little frustrated with, uh, I was, I was reading some of their co- uh, comments on the game, but playing the four, four, two against us. Cause they have, I think similar concerns that we have about our four, four, two, um, it seems that you give up a lot of the midfield in order to just play a second striker. And in this game, um, I think we're so used to playing with an outmanned midfield. Um, we did pretty well, at least moving the ball forward uh, from the midfield this game, just simply because we weren't completely outmanned like we we have been. Um, 29th minute, uh, Gomez takes a shot from distance on target, but doesn't challenge the keeper at all. Um easy save and then the big one of the big moments um comes right before the end of of the half well <laughs> there's one there's one right before the 40 the 43rd minute there's a a, a nice it caught it caught dallas really off guard but we we play a low ball in from i believe it's vera um kind of goes through one of their defenders legs and rubio rubin has a chance to get on the end of it and he uh, doesn't get there. I think it actually comes out the, off the defender, but it is given as a as a goal kick, even though I think it wasn't off Rubin. But that was another one where um, where he should have, I think, you know, done a little bit better there. But the big moment coming at the end of the first half was the not called handball. And I know Anderson Julio was talking with, I think I'll show RSL about this. Um, and he felt very strongly that it should have been called as a handball. Of course, like, you know, fans were pretty upset about this not being called as a handball. And what, what happens is, um, I can't remember who actually kicks the ball, but I think it was off a corner. Eventually, the ball kind of um, is kicked towards goal, and it, uh, Sebastian Legette is the one in between the ball and the goal, and it definitely hits him in the hand. Um, the conversation, though, becomes whether or not he was making himself unnaturally bigger by the placement of his hand. Like, was his arm hand in a place that was unnatural and it made him unnaturally bigger that like gave them the advantage due to that position and um the ref on the field decided i think he initially didn't call it talked to var on the headset and var decided that it wasn't worth having him taking a look at because they didn't feel like it was an obvious error made by the referee on the field so a few things here people are like why wouldn't you even go to the monitor to look at it why wouldn't you use var uh this was VAR deciding that it didn't. Need it was to look Trevor's yes, decision, Trevor. I think. Judging it was Trevor. At the end. Uh, they did use VAR. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just didn't. The, the, the center ref didn't used. look. Yeah, the center ref just didn't look at the monitor, but that doesn't mean VAR w- wasn't used on it. Yeah, and, that's and so much better, right? Like it takes I think so. the referee out of the decision making process for enough time that, like, I don't know. I 
I'm sure referees don't have egos and other like personal vices, uh, but it takes that away, right? Where if the referee goes over to the monitor, there's a chance they just say, yeah, it's exactly like I saw it. Yeah. Well, and that's, this is a little bit why I would love to see more of like VAR decisions. Like we've seen it, like the video that they released from Australia, I think of the ref to talk in the whole game. There's mm-hmm. one, um, uh, a French ref just made an appearance in, in something where he, he was having conversations with the players and it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been times where we've seen like full on VAR conversations between referee on the field and referee in the booth. Yeah. And I would love to get more information mm-hmm. about that. Because genuinely, I th- I don't think an ego thing is in question at all. I think every referee wants to get the calls right, and that's mm-hmm. their priority. They don't want to be the main focus of the game. They don't want their TV time. They just want to get the calls right. Mm-hmm. They like good soccer just like everybody else likes good soccer, and their whole goal is to be good at their job, which is to just get the calls right. And that's what they've been yeah. doing for 15 years at that point. So, like, that's what they want to do. And the thing that's great about VAR and you've seen it in some of these conversations is when the guy in the booth says, Hey, I think you missed that. The guy goes over to the monitor and they're showing him angles that he didn't see. Mm-hmm. So he's going to say, Hey, right. I saw this. It looked like his arm was by the side. And then VAR is going to look at it and say, actually, I I've got an angle that shows his arm wasn't at all by his side. It must, it's different from what you saw. He goes over, he looks and he goes, Oh yeah, no, that's not what I saw. That's completely different. Now that I see this, I'm going to get the call right. He's not going over there to look at it and say, well, if I, if I say that I got this wrong, then everybody's going to think I got it wrong all the other times. And I can't have that. That's going to be a personal, that's, that's not entering their mind at all. They want to get the call right. And they know that they get the call right. Most of the time. Yeah. They almost always have somebody in the stands or watching the game on TV that is simply evaluating them. And they talk to them about the game after it. And they say, we think you missed these calls and we want to hear your opinion on these calls. And they have an assessment just like players look at film. Referees look at film and they sit with people who have been doing it for longer than they have. And they receive instruction and they go through the whole thing just like players do. So if they go on the field and they look at it and they say, oh, that's a different angle. And that angle shows I'm wrong, but I've got the ego. I can't admit that I'm wrong. Like that's not real life. Yeah. Okay, that, yeah. That's not something that goes through a referee's mind when they're making a decision. They want to make the decision right. And if you disagree with the referee, that's fine. A lot of the calls are subjective and you might think that his arm is in an unnatural position when the ref thinks it is. And that's, that's the fun part of refereeing is that there are some calls that are a little bit subjective <laughs> and, it is and fun. They're, they're totally up to the referee's <laughs> discretion and he yeah. might disagree with you doesn't necessarily mean the call's wrong, but they're not going to go to a monitor if they don't need to go to a monitor. And if they go to the monitor and they see that they're wrong, they're going to overturn it. Yeah. Um, You just got to trust that the referees are as professional as the players and are as dedicated to their craft as the players. Unless they're a a sideline judge in the Premier League and they're throwing an elbow at Andy Robertson, uh, which is yeah, unless they do that, Um, that was that was pretty crazy. (laughs) That guy worked really hard to get to that position, and he deserved to throw that elbow. I think. Oh my! (laughs) 
Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, have no idea. I still haven't even seen that clip. But he's going to probably never ref in the Premier League again. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah I, I agree. And also to the, like my main thing also is like I'd like to see fewer handballs called as penalties just yeah. in general. I don't Especially like handballs like that. Right. Yeah. yeah little, um, little obscure like, oh, it hit his hand. Like this is to get into the rule discussion again. The whole handball rule is insane just as it stands right now like it's it's a ridiculous rule and as commentators will tell you like nobody knows what a handball is anymore right i I mean because it is so subjective and so that is one thing that i I would love to see like a rule change that just makes it way less subjective either like it hits his hand it's a penalty or it has to hit like above the elbow and it's a foul or you know like something like that where it's much less subjective i think would definitely help especially in situations like this but okay yeah my personal opinion i I mean i think okay so here's what the rule is right now deliver uh two things um well two main things there there are a few things that like if if it directly leads to a goal or something like that but um deliberately touches the ball with their hand or arm for example moving the hand arm towards the ball that one's pretty easy but this is the confusing one Touch the ball with their hand or arm when it has made their body unnaturally bigger. A player is considered to have made their body unnaturally bigger when the position of their hand slash arm is not not a consequence of or justifiable by the player's body movement for that specific situation. By having their hand or arm in such a position, the player takes the risk of, of their hand or arm being hit by the ball and being penalized. Um, I think it's less vague than it used to be. The ball to hand or hand to ball thing is always, I think, was always even more confusing. Um, it's what, what it really comes down to the subjective part is that unnaturally bigger part. And the part of the problem with what we saw on Saturday is that we only got a single angle on TV and it was uh, an angle in which you couldn't tell what the distance was between, um, uh, Sebastian Legette's body and his arm. And like, and I saw some people saying, Oh, if the arms even away from the body at all, then that should be called as a handball. And that's not what now natural that's, I think was, is likely defined by. You don't have to walk around with your hands on your sides in order for that to be natural. That seems more unnatural. If you ask yeah. Me, but, yeah. That's, that's, um, that's my problem with the like unnatural position thing is like your idea of natural and unnatural is completely different and it's not easily definable. And it's not easy. Like you can't point at a still image of anybody and tell me if it's a natural or unnatural position. Yeah. You can't look at a couple frames or a couple seconds of, of movement and tell me what's natural and unnatural. Like it's it's so very, I, very hard to tell me or, or to point at anything and say it's natural or unnatural. And it's tough because our fans will always be like, well, RSL got screwed over this one time when we got oh, yeah. this penalty called on us. And it's hard not to oh, feel hard done by when penalty. Yeah. Well, even I remember there was like four of them that happened like that. Yeah. Do you remember the one at Seattle last year? Um and mm. like I, I think I think Bobby Wood was called for it if I remember correctly. Maybe it was it last year. I think it was last year. I remember there was one recently where it was, was one the situation Seattle, again. Well, yeah, and Justin Glad also is unlucky. And like we've had someone where like oh, like a player slides and the ball hit his hands while he's sliding, mm-hmm. and it's like we've been hard done by by a lot of those. But I would like to see fewer handballs called, and this is one that I don't mind not being called because it it, yeah. it did look like a natural position of his hand. Anyway, so let's. Let's continue. Yep. Um, so be- before we move on too sure. far, I just, Pablo Mastroini, like one of the first things he talked about post-match was about the not called handball, right? The, the I hate call. it. Or, I mean, and, and play was stopped. So in a way it was called and, and it was looked at. It's neither here nor there, but 
uh, and we've heard him talk a lot about like, oh, we didn't score. I would yeah. love to hear him talk about how we gave up two goals on four shots. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not good and like it's just not good enough like yeah. we have not had a it's been so long since we've had a shutout like that's that's a big that's a big problem um a zero zero game would be way better than uh so many of these that we've seen but anyway so very early minutes of the first half we get a really good chance um gomez plays a nice pass uh through traffic to Savarino. It goes through all six of the defenders <laughs> for some reason. And Savarino gets the ball around the um, a little left of this penalty spot and has a first-time shot to their keeper's left. It's a nice save. Uh, you'd like to see Savarino maybe put that a little bit more towards the corner. Although, if he did put it more towards the corner, it might have just hit Anderson Julio, who was standing there for some reason. But <laughs> anyway, um, that you'd like to see Savarino score that, but uh, it was a good save. Um, and, and another really good chance for us. And um, 48th minute was just when Rubio Rubin throws his arm back uh, and s- smacks the defender in the face. He gets a yellow for this, but, uh, you know, it was, it's kind of an orangish card. Yeah, he, he did look behind him before he did that <laughs> and then threw his hand back. I was, it was, a, it was a, a little shocked he didn't see red for that. I kind of was, too. Um, but I mean, good for him. Uh Really sneaking those in there. He it did kind of almost come back to haunt him later, um, but yeah. And then fifty eighth minute, Sovereigno has another good chance inside the box. He makes a defender miss, cuts inside, and has another shot on goal, saved by the keeper. Um, but yeah, an, another good chance. And then uh, there's a moment in the sixty fourth minute where Pablo Ruiz plays a really nice long pass to. Uh, Brian Ojeda, who is playing left wing in this situation <laughs> for some reason, and um, takes a first time falling volley uh, low at the keeper. Keeper saves, comes back, and Gomez has a chance. He hits it first time. We're like kind of right at Anderson Julio, who's at the top of the six, tries to do a, a flick, and he uh, a heel flick and misses it wide. Um, Rubio Rubin is sad. So... <laughs> um that was another good chance uh good volley from ojeda um like you know good stuff from gomez too um i don't know what more julio can really do there it was a it was a pretty fast shot taken kind of like right at him but um yeah dallas's keeper had a pretty good game he was uh he was on his toes so um in the like I mentioned before, Levelson came out at half um in the 66th minute 65th and 66th um miram came in for uh gomez and anelli came in for bodhi david or bodhi hidalgo um after he came up hurt or cramping i'm not quite sure i don't i haven't heard more about that since then but um, maybe he popped something he asked for a sub so a nice moment yeah uh, a good moment in the 67th minute right after after justin miram comes on um he gets the ball from Vera, the corner out, outside of the 18 on, on the left wing. And nice in-swinging cross. Anderson Julio goes up for it, misses it. But we're thankful that he missed it because it went right to Savarino's head, who is <laughs> lurking right behind Julio. And Savarino buried it back post with his head. And it was it was just a perfect... It was such a good cross from, from Miram. Um, and, I, you know, we haven't... I, I like. 
so I guess prior to that, we had had um, uh, Sovereigno on that side, and Sovereigno switched to switch to the right wing with this. And we Sovereigno doesn't play a lot of those crosses, um, but this one was was super nice from Miram from the left side, and uh, Sovereigno is pretty pretty clinical with his head apparently <laughs> so he's also like five foot eight i think so good for him that, yeah um man so uh dallas towards the like you know we're getting close to the end of the game it's still one one rsl i really felt like we're the we're the better side on the night and really could have won this game i going into this i was didn't have high hopes for us being able to pull out a result but um we looked really good and I thought we could get the win. And then Dallas kind of started going for it right at the end in the 87th minute. Um, they had a pretty good chance where, uh, they had someone in behind, uh, Zach McMath is forced into a, a, a save and we, and we get it cleared out. Um, but then, uh, the moment of sad truth was in the 88th minute where, we Anelli and Savarino. Anelli gives his guy way too much space um, and uh, isn't able to stop the, a ball from going across. And it's it's just one that we should be dealing with. And Miram and Vera have essentially le- <laughs> left their guy wide open. This he, he subbed in. His name is uh, Bernard Camongo. I think he's from Tanzania. Tanzania. Yeah, he's um, a, like he's a cool genuinely story. really cool story. Yeah, it's been written up a couple times. Just Google his name, you'll find it. But he's yeah, a Tanzanian he, kid. Yeah, and he finds himself having beaten Miram and Vera to the ball just right at the six, and both of their goals coming from really easy positions to score, and both of those shots from those easy positions to score resulted in goals. So, mm-hmm. um. Just like that, like an easy cross right across the six. No one is able to deal with it. Anelli can't stop it. Mir- or, uh, Glad isn't in a position to um, to defend it. He's kind of in a little bit of no man's land, if you ask me. And then Miram and Vera just not good enough at the back post. Um, yeah. And that's <laughs> and that, that's essentially it. We had we had sort of one more chance at the end. Um, Miram had a really nice shot from. Uh, outside the 18 a curler and he missed it just wide um should have been a corner i think it was deflected a little bit but that was it that was the end of the game and rso get no points in dallas which is the thing we're used to but one that feels extra sad because we had the chance to earn points on the night and did not so um yeah kind of yeah, a it is i don't know i don't f- if you take this game in isolation, I don't feel awful about it. I don't either. Um, it's not so, a bad. It's I mean, it's it's not an ideal result. It's not yeah. a it's not a terrific. Like this is a team that should have beat us worse, probably. Um, yeah. yeah. Based on form and on the season, but I thought we played well. I thought we were unlucky to not get a result, and I'm not I'm not leaving this game being like more like I'm not leaving this game as concerned as I was about other games this season. However, I think the question of what's going on with our midfield and our defense, can we get it through a game without giving up a goal continues to be a question. Yeah. And, and increasingly is something that teams are scouting for and performing against. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's evidently. the thing that stresses me out about this is 
we've now seen was that our seventh or eighth game? Seven. One, two. That was our seventh. That was seventh. So we've we've now seen seven games with the exact same problem in each of them. You could uh, say that. And the same vulnerability in each of them. And that we haven't adjusted is it's it started as something that we needed to fix and it needed to be fixed pretty quickly. Uh, it we haven't seen any sign of it being fixed. And maybe part of the problem is, you know, we're we're light at right back somehow and we're playing. Uh, mm. I mean, it's hard for me to get mad at him. Mecca and Nelly there uh, totally. for his role in that goal because he's not a right back. What, third <laughs> game is a right back? Fourth game? Neither and neither was Bodie so Hidalgo. Third, so. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but even as recent as three months ago, he wasn't a right back. Uh so it's and he wasn't he wasn't an out and out winger either. It wasn't and those those skills kind of translate, but he was an attacking midfielder and a forward. And that he's done as well as he has is a testament to him. But uh, what's the expectation for him from from the coaching staff? Yeah, we've seen a few. I I mean, I I don't know if we want to call that one an Emekinelli mistake. Like, I would have liked to see him close that space sooner. He he was giving. Yeah, that player shouldn't have been able to get the ball in that position. If you ask me, there was no reason for Emekinelli to not be on that player closer. but to your point, and then like like we've seen a few other small mistakes from him that like at, we've given up that same goal from his side against I, I don't know which uh, it was probably the St. Louis or someone else I don't know at home and uh, but yeah to your point it's like I don't know what the expectations really can be for a yeah. guy that was a attacking midfielder but and now yeah. Brian Oviedo is I mean is he injured. I think he's injured, right? He was on the bench. It was interesting oh, that the like, commentators were actually expecting Oviedo to come in at right back uh, in that game, and then we saw Anelli instead. So that was interesting that Oviedo didn't get the call over uh, over, over Emeka Anelli. I mean, we're paying him like $400,000. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he was at the World Cup uh, four months ago. And uh, we, we expressed some skepticism over the sign-in. The signing at least a little bit or or trepidation maybe not skepticism yeah and he he hasn't but, been bad i think he's yeah, had good no. moments but he has looked older mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's still times definitely preferred to have him what yeah. on the left and brody Anelli. on the right over well, on the right well we didn't have brody but we like we oviedo has played right on the right side I know he's left-footed yeah. but he he can okay. play on the right side of the field i would prefer to have him on the field than anelli however you I have think to so figure too. that out let's do that please <laughs> like even like justin glad on the right and uh, maybe vera back at center back and yeah. oviedo on the left like there, there are options right there are definitely yeah. options and it, putting anelli in those positions it, it is fascinating that like he got the call over oviedo it, it does make our roster look very short which is yeah. interesting. I think there there's a reality to our roster not being quite good enough, and there is a, like a, a portrayal of a roster not being good enough. And when we see Pablo Mascheroni going to Anelli, it feels like the roster is not good enough, right? But maybe yes. <laughs> maybe there are options that we could have explored, but. And I'm sure there are things going on behind the scenes that people would love to 
say you don't know about these things, which is fine, but we don't know about them. So we're yeah. not going to talk about them. I always love when we get that response, when we like say something or tweet something and then somebody reaches out to us and is like, Hey, you don't know what's going on. Like, tell us. Yeah. <laughs> let, tell, let us tell know. Like, it's not tell us as individuals because we are members. No, of the I'm, I'm saying, right? I'm definitely saying at the club. If you are going to respond to me, this is to like three people in particular. If you're going to respond to me about something I say or tweet, like, don't say you don't know. Just tell me. I don't have to like tell the world, but just tell me (laughs) the information and then I'll stop being a jerk about stuff if if that's what I'm doing. But yeah, no, it's it. Anelli, I appreciate the work he's put in and I appreciate what he's trying to do. And I understand I'm not. I, I can't really get too mad at Anelli. Yeah. Uh, he oh, definitely, yeah. he definitely seems immature and he's making like on the second goal, especially seems like he's making very simple, easy mistakes that like anybody that's played soccer for a couple of years should know that you got to be closer to your guy. Um, but I, I, think, I don't know. I, I think the bigger <laughs> problem is that he has to make decisions about who to mark. Right. He's got to be yeah, more definitive there. Cut. Like, he, yeah, he, he was guarding space in a situation where you would think you need to guard a person, the man. Yeah. Yeah. And that, like, like I said, like, it's definitely something to criticize, but like, it's fair enough. Like he's, that's not his position. He's been a pro for, you know, 20 days so far. So like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> cut him a little bit of slack, but, maybe um, but I did want to put him in those situations immediately. Maybe. Uh, well, put yeah, him in obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Put him in as a 10. We he's need one of those. He scored goals more recently than Ruby Rubin. Try that. She's Louise. Um, there is one thing I wanted to bring up about the the defense on this team. We we're talking mm-hmm. about shots on goal. Um, and like how we haven't kept a clean sheet. Um, we're allowing an average of like six shots on goal per game. And the best game that we had as far as like shots on goal to goals scored was against Vancouver. I think maybe the worst team we've played so far. Yeah. One of them. Charlotte Uh, was pretty bad. They had seven shots on goal. They scored one and it has gotten worse from there. Um, The highlight being Dallas with two shots on goal, two goals. (laughs) That's not, we've had games where they got two goals from five shots on goals. Four goals came from eight shots on goal and from six shots on goal. Um, I don't want to say like Zach McMath is washed, but those are bad numbers. And there's a lot of like, we can talk about the justifications for those numbers. Like they're getting a lot of good chances because our defense is bad and you can't really lay that all on Zach McMath. But we got to start talking about the number of chances we're getting or giving up and the number of goals we're giving up at some point we are giving up the most goals per game in the entire league right now yeah at 2.6 well good thing we're not playing against a team that has a very efficient striker this upcoming weekend oh wait a sec uh i've been informed that jeremy (laughs) abobasi plays for (laughs) san jose for san jose oh Oh, you want to hear some fun numbers on san jose give me a second i don't i don't want to hear them I, I, I worry. He, he worries me. I. I yeah, he should. He's really good. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's a good uh, So we play San Jose at home uh, this week. Um, San Jose, of course, um, has had 
Oh, I thought you were about to show something on the screen, Trevor. No, um, sorry. They're in fifth phone. place. They're in fifth place in the West. They have 14 points. They have four wins, uh, two losses, two draws. Their goal differential is only two. So they're, they've been giving up a lot of goals, but they've, they've scored 10. Um, and that's, of course, to our, our seven. We've given up 16 <laughs> still. Um, but uh, Jeremy Bobasi is... Um, he scored four goals this season. Christian Espinoza scored five. Both of those guys. I'm, and Christian Espinoza also has two two assists. Um, and Kate Cowell is having a really good season too. And we, mm-hmm. uh, I I just anyway, I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried about San, San Jose. Okay, yeah. Matt, um, I need you to make two numbers make sense to me. Okay, right. the first one is the not fun one. Uh, San Jose is second in the league in XG. Mm-hmm. So far, that like combined for the season at 14.5. Okay. Um, but as far as shots on target per match, they are, where were they? Much lower. They're not that great. Yeah. So a, the a high XG shot isn't necessarily a shot on target. Sure. Yeah, I understand that. that. But they've, they're like our shots on target per match is six point something. And San Jose, where'd they go? Uh, they're sitting at 3.8. Mm-hmm. Their shot conversion rate is 6.6% compared to RSL's 5.7. So it seems like they're only slightly better than us. Yeah. But they're also doing it way less shots per match. Yeah. Are they giving I feel like this is going to be a really bad game for us defensively. Yeah. They are mm. giving up a lot of goals. Um, let's see about their XG conceded. Where'd they land there? Uh, they've conceded eight goals this season. Their XG conceded is 9.9. Okay. So, I mean, they, they've slightly overperformed XG, which is something that happens. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Espinosa is their right winger. Um, Bobasi is their striker. And Wait, their, their winger has how many goals? Five. Oh, that's a lot. Five Wait, goals, two assists. Must be a good winger. Oh, we have seven yeah. goals. I was a little worried. Yeah. Um, I don't know. He's, uh, and if you look at Christian, Christian Espinosa has had a, a great season and, uh, Abobasi has like this year and last year, um, pretty good. So, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little nervous for this one, but I, there's going to be chances. I don't like, uh, San Jose is not super staunch defensively. Um, so we will well, have not- chances to score. They're not like awful. I mean, they're very like middle of the road defensively. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm just like, there's no reason why why at home we shouldn't be able to to score on them. Um, it'll be. I I'm gonna make a prediction in saying Rubio Rubin scores this weekend against San Jose. Well, his last, not his last goal. He scored his, a bicycle goal, a bicycle yes. kick goal against them, and that was the game that he scored two goals. He scored two it? goals. Yeah, he had a couple games mm. where he scored a brace. Um, but yeah. He's gonna score this this Saturday. That's my prediction. Okay. Right. Uh, my prediction is we lose. Uh, really? But we score more Excuse than me. two goals. That would be that would be a goals. very fun game. If we lose four three, it's gonna be that'll be way. Fun. I'm gonna say like six three. Wait, are, Matt, are you gonna be there? <laughs> uh, I'm determined. I'm not sure yet. <gasps> okay, Trevor, are you gonna be there? I'm going to be there. I think I'm actually going to be in the press box this game. I haven't been in the press box in a game yet. Okay. Cool. Well, then I so, definitely won't be there. I'll be up there with you. That's nice. Sweet. No, I, <laughs> I miss being in the press box with you, Trevor. 
USA plays Mexico this evening. I don't know if you guys have been following that. So we've got a, and it's the games in Arizona, Matt. You could make a little jaunt over there. <laughs> yeah, get going. Yeah, I'm like two and a half um, hours away from Phoenix, so that's I can get enough. there for uh, the closing minutes, maybe. Well, you would also have to buy a ticket and. I oh, also I was, I was just, just saw a video in. of a Dylan Dylan Brooks staring down LeBron James after hitting a three, which is just Dylan Brooks right. is just continues to be the worst person. Um, <laughs> yeah. Any 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 final thoughts? I'm gonna I'm gonna take off to go watch that that game. Uh, but any any final parting words that we should talk through? Um, what did we have? We had uh, we talked about everything on the dock, so I have no more final words. Okay, no more final words. Just uh, an inordinate amount of stress about the quality of this team. Yeah, I carry a lot of that as well. Yeah, yeah at it's some fun. point we got to start talking about. Um, we didn't cover. I think we covered this a week ago, two weeks ago. At some point, I'm sure we did about the growing um, d- dissent dissension among the fan base oh yeah this dissatisfaction with everybody um i mean we talked about it a little bit with the social media stuff but like just as a real matter of fact like there's a lot of very unhappy fans with the way that this team is performing yeah i'm really interested to see what attendance is like this weekend actually yeah so attendance will be something fun to watch i know we've been told by like the rumor mill that pablo's job is safe but I'm kind of interested to see exactly how safe it is if there's a loss against San Jose. If we would have lost against Charlotte, I would have been really interested to see what would have happened there. Yeah. Because San Jose is a team that like, it's not like, oh, we're going to lose San Jose. That's fine. We're not as good as them. We should be able to compete with this team. Yes. Mm -hmm. And we're at home where we have an abysmal record over the last six months. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm not saying that like, they're gonna fire Pablo if they lose, but like it, it, I think it's definitely like a hot seat situation at that point. Even if think? we tie, like I think if we come out of this game with anything other than like a convincing win, it's still kind of hot seat situation time for Pablo. Yeah, right? even, if he's, even if he's safe, I think people feel negatively, and that if that builds and and builds and some, builds. That, At some point, his leash gets shortened. Right? Yeah, you're yeah, only exactly. safe until you're like not, and like that's not yeah. gonna. That can't. It's not. It's obviously not gonna last forever. It's just really just a matter of time. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. All right. Um, well, Kyle, go enjoy the game. Trevor, uh, go enjoy the game, even if you're not going anywhere for it. I'm USA. probably not gonna watch the game. That's this is okay. just a friendly, right? Like this doesn't yeah. actually matter. It's just friendly. We have a Nations League game against them in uh, June, I think. Okay. Okay. So that'll be a fun one. Well, I might tune in. Th- thanks for listening to another episode of Off the Crossbar Ray. Also, like podcast. At- You're welcome this for keeping it under two hours. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, bye. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I need a change. Okay. Bye. Right. Okay. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs>